to another episode of Small Council Radio. So for tonight's episode, we will be covering the Targaryen visions in the flames. Uh, This was revealed, I want to say, a little while ago now. Um, I have the date here. It was like February 18th is when it came out. So it's relatively older news, but we still still felt like we should, uh, you know, give us some justice and cover it uh, because we've covered every other faction other than Targaryens and Baratheons. So uh, Baratheons we will be covering as well. Um, I also apologize. I am getting over a little uh, cold. Um, it is... Uh, it's not COVID, uh, thankfully, but uh, um, so if you hear me pause a little more than usual, that's uh, just uh, some congestion. Um, but yeah, uh, tonight we have with us Craig. Thank you so much for coming on. Craig uh, does play Targaryens uh, quite a bit more than I do, because uh, I would say out of all the factions, Targaryens is probably the lowest on the list for uh, how well I know them. Yeah, thanks for having me again. Yeah, of course. And uh, so uh, for those that have not uh, seen the article, definitely go over to a song of ice and fire dot seaman dot com. Uh, you'll be able to find a huge list of articles uh, and you'll be able to find the, the revealed stuff on on the Targaryen uh, article. So we will be going over the new 1.7 tactics deck, the Drogo commander and his tactics cards, as well as uh, uh, four combat units that they've revealed, all Dothraki themed. So um, I think this was probably the best reveal of any faction because you kind of get the entirety of like a sub faction, you know, how Targaryens have, you know, the Unsullied and whatnot. It was nice to see the entire tactics deck, the, you know, Drogo, the, your, you know, main poster boy for the, uh, Dithraki, his cards, as well as all the Dithraki units. So you can just from what this has been revealed, you can fully field a 1.7 uh, Dithraki force. Now, um, I believe they only have one NCU that's been revealed, but you can always throw in some uh, neutral NCUs to kind of supplement some of those points and to get a second or third NCU in there. Uh, but yeah, to, I guess we'll jump right into it. First up, we have Overrun. When a friendly unit surges forth, instead of surging forth, that unit performs one charge action. If you control the maneuver zone, it may reroll any charge distance dice. So I have the old uh, or the current, the 1.6 version in front of me, and uh, it looks like they've just cleaned up the wording and they, uh, you no longer can pivot before the charge action. Um, uh, which I think is a good change. Overrun was already such a powerful card. It could be a dead card uh, for a while if a unit's not almost dead or you know within your limits of killing it. But I think it kind of falls in line with the you know needing to try to earn your free actions. Um, this one is giving you one of the strongest free actions you can get, which is a charge, which in a lot of cases is to the flank. Um, And now keep in mind that you can, 
as long as you can see your target before uh, when you declare the charge action, then you can pivot. You can pivot after it just changes the fact that you need to see them before you pivot. Um, but you can still pivot after the fact to then get into a more optimal uh, charging lane. Uh, Craig, how do you feel about this uh, change and this kind of clear up with this card? Oh, I agree. I think in its 1.6 form, uh, being able to pivot uh, was a little broken because how do you defend against it? I mean, you can't stay out of line of sight because it's 360. So I think that helps a lot. Um, one thing that I do want to touch on, though, the thing that drew me to this faction originally was speed. Um, I like to play fast, and not only were the Dothraki the fastest units in the game, you know, apart from a few other cavalry units or whatever, but they had all kinds of cards and an NCU and other abilities that gave them plus one to speed all the time. The old overrun gave them plus two to their charge roll, um, or to their to their distance. And I thought that that fit thematically with the faction, and I really liked that. Now, the re-roll that you get if you control the horse this time is a really good ability as well. So it's not really a nerf, but I feel like it is a change a little bit to the faction's flavor, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I think uh, a re-roll is more powerful than than plus two. I mean, they both have their merits, like, like you're kind of mentioning, that this is more of a lateral change, but I think the re-roll, um, just to make sure you don't roll that one for the disordered, because uh, in a lot of cases, you're already going to be, you know, a faster moving unit. You know, I believe before uh, we'll get to them in a minute, but all the units that we see in this reveal all have a six move. So, I mean, six plus a D6 in a lot of cases uh, is going to be more than enough to get you for an overrun. Maybe not for, like, your initial charge into a unit, but if you're charging the flank of something, uh, more than likely the overrun is or the your six plus D6, especially because it's a reroll. So your chances of rolling a higher number are a lot greater, and now you don't risk uh, losing the charge bonus, uh, which could be key. You know, some of the other cards that you could potentially play that we'll see in a minute here, uh, or even just those re-rolls. Um, yeah, I agree. So next up, we have Sudden Retreat. Let me just... Uh, I believe that was replaced with uh, Swift Retreat, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it's an enemy unit completes a, after an enemy unit completes a melee attack, the defender performs one retreat action. So before they had Swift Retreat, which was um, you could, uh, if you control the horse, whoever you disengage from suffered D3 wounds. Uh, I think uh, just the fact that you get a free retreat out of it uh, is good enough. Um, I mean, it does seem like there's a lot of empty space on this card, but, I mean, it's a free action. I mean, you can't really – it's hard to complain with a free action. What do you think? Yeah, I'm glad they kept kept this card in there um, because the, 
you know, they don't want to be stuck in combat. So if they had lost the ability to get that free retreat, I think it would have been a big nerf. Um, just losing, handing out D3 wounds if you control the horse, not that big of a deal anyway. Uh, your opponents want the horse anyway, you know, so so I don't think it's really that big of a nerf, and I'm glad they kept the card. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, such a simple card is actually so amazingly good in this faction, especially like you were saying, the you don't want to be bogged down in a combat uh, you want to be able to just keep charging in and, you know, maximizing your damage. Uh, now, you will have to play it right because um, you're to optimally use this. I think you're going to want to not be activated. You'll want to be, uh, you'll have them swing at you first, get a free retreat. That way you can then uh, uh, charge back in with your action. Then again, it could be the end of the round, knowing you're going to go first next turn. You could, uh, you know, they attack you after you've already charged into them, free retreat out, getting yourself away from any other attackers, because, you know, you could charge in, uh, align full. They attack you, align 50, to make room for another unit to charge into you. But now you retreat back far enough that... uh, the other unit that they had made room for has no chance of reaching you. Uh, there's definitely a lot of play with this card, and uh, you know, it's very. It's not often that I would say that a card with that much room left in the tech, text box uh, is perfectly fine with the amount of text that's on it. Uh, it is definitely a very powerful card. Um, <clears throat> next up, we have Swift Reposition. Uh, as we've kind of already discussed a bunch with this card and other factions that we've seen. Uh, start of any turn, target one friendly combat unit, it shifts two inches. If you control the horse, that unit performs the three-inch maneuver action instead. Uh, you know, I think it's a lateral change from Swift, Swift Advance, but I think uh, it has more potential than Swift Advance. Uh, what do you think? Uh, yeah, especially with this faction. Um, previously, they didn't have, you know, Swift Advance or a card similar. And this, with, with the Calvary and their ability to move around the board as it is, this just magnifies that, and it really fits the theme, and I'm glad they put it in there. I, I think it's a, a really good game for this deck. Especially yeah, and... being at the start of any turn. Yep, and uh, as I've mentioned back a long time ago in one of our other shows, is that uh, you could immediately take the free maneuver on, let's say, the, your Dothraki Vets, move up six inches, then start of your opponent's turn, so immediately almost back-to-back actions with this card and the maneuver zone. Now move another three. You've now moved nine inches. Now the Dothraki Vets can... Uh, when they activate, go another six. Now you've gone 15 inches, and now you can charge. All from uh, 
all from technically just one. It's not like some huge combo. Like it's not some like thing you have to have all the right pieces fall into place. You simply just have to have this card in your hand and then take the free maneuver. Uh, especially if it's like first turn um, and your opponent, let's say has no ranged actions and you know, you move in range and you charge in, you know, you could even like sudden retreat after they attack you uh, with them and then get out of, you know, out of danger. I mean, there's just so many things you could do, uh, you know, and they have their ability to uh, charge you and then retreat and then shoot you. Uh, so it's just, there's a lot of, uh, I think, like you were saying, in this faction more so than probably any other, swift reposition is just going to be like gold. Yeah, absolutely. And it helps them defensively, too. A faction that struggles defensively, um, start of any turn, you know your opponent is setting up for a big play. Well, now you're not there anymore. Or instead of needing to roll a two, they need to roll a four or a five on their charge. So, oh, yeah, a like a key issues. thing. A key thing, I think, would be how many times has someone been like, okay, my bowman. Uh, I'm going to set them up to be exactly 14 inches away from you. Uh, they're going to go first next turn, uh, or let's say round two, because round two they could take the free attack, shift towards you, shoot, hopefully just weather a charge, and then uh, weather a charge, maybe take the free retreat from the board, and then shoot you again. Uh, now you can start of the turn shift two inches back now that now they're 14 inches away they can't use that free maneuver or not maneuver mm-hmm. sorry that free uh the free shift yes. the shift before their shot you then uh activate uh they do their action because they have the first uh, action that round then you just you maneuver up six because what you're 14 away now you're eight away you just need a two or better to charge them now their ranged unit. Uh, flip side of that is it goes both ways. If they say, well, I'm going to stop 14 and a half inches away from your bowman, so you can't shoot me, because the Targaryens do have long-range bows now. And uh, all of a sudden, well, you're not 14 and a half inches away anymore. I'm going to shoot you. <laughs> so yep. It goes both ways. <laughs> exactly. So I think this card... It's going to be very underappreciated by a lot of people at first, but I think uh, it was a lateral change with a lot more potential to it than Swift Advance. Because Swift Advance was just very, okay, when I activate, I get all of this movement all at once, and I'm going to do this one thing. Uh, when the unit, the key part was when the uh, unit activated. The fact that this is start of any turn just gives it so much extra play. We could probably move on from that because I think I could talk about Swift reposition all day. <laughs> um, <laughs> next up we have, yeah. Next up we have Fire and Blood. Um, this one is when a friendly unit is performing a charge action before rolling charge distance dice, choose one, and if you control the maneuver zone, you choose two instead. This unit may re-roll any charge distance dice this turn. 
If this unit successfully charges, its melee attacks gain thundering this turn. If this unit successfully charges, its melee attack gains vicious this turn. So essentially, you can choose between melee or uh, vicious, thundering, or reroll charge distance. And if you're taking the um, maneuver, if you or if you already have it, now you have uh, um, you know two of those three. So. And important to note is it, it lasts for the turn, not just the attack. So if you happen to overrun, uh, you will still have those bonuses. So you could, uh, you know, use your uh, outriders to soften up a unit, charge in, you know, finish them off with that charge, and then overrun into it like the flank of another unit with now having uh, – um, re-rolls because of overrun because we're assuming you have the maneuver so overrun will give you the, the re-roll and uh, so you could just choose some, knowing that your you know, your plan being is to finish them off and get overrun off you just you don't even choose the re-roll uh, charge distance dice you choose the thundering vicious to just finish the unit off get the overrun and now you have re-rolls thundering and vicious yeah, this is a huge buff from what it was. Um, it adds re-rolls. That was not a possibility before. Before it was precision and vicious. And precision is okay, but in a faction with no uh, critical blow, it was kind of okay. I guess I'm fishing for sixes. Thundering is so much more useful. And then you add in, oh, like yeah. you said, for the turn. So this card, huge buff, and I really like it. I think it's going to help the Targaryens hit hard much better than they did before. And, and by that, I mean I don't mean their elite units. They're 10-point units. I'm talking about their 6-point units that you have to base your list around. Well, I mean, don't I, don't know if they have, I don't know if they have any more 10-point units from what we've seen. Uh, but we'll get to that, <laughs> which is nice. You get um, my point, though. Yeah, exactly. Like this will turn your regular like outriders, or not outriders, uh, screamers, um, into something that you know you're not gonna. Let's say you got shot by some outriders and you lost a rank. Now you're down to just eight guys. Fire and Blood is definitely something that can make just like a simple Screamer unit on the charge, you know, just eat through those eight guys. Um, even with Panic going to only D3, because as we'll get to the Screamers, you know, they'll be able to make them vulnerable combined with that Thundering. It's going to be huge. So I think, uh, like you said, it's a great addition. It's uh so far, amazing four cards. Uh, next up, though, we have Unstoppable Advance, which has uh, two different effects you can choose from, it looks like. When a friendly unit activates this turn, this unit may ignore the dangerous, hindering, and rough keywords. Destroy any train with the destructible keyword it moves through or ends within an inch of. When a friendly unit surges forth, this unit gains... or. Uh, uh, the other ability is when a unit, a friendly unit surges forth, that unit gains plus three move when maneuvering during this surge forth. So, <clears throat> uh, important to note 
is it will not work with overrun as overrun uh, that second ability says that you are replacing surge forth with a charge action so this is uh, your surge forth is gaining that distance um, how do you feel about this card Craig uh, I'm iffy on it places was one of my favorite cards in the deck which was you know ignore the hindering and the rough and all of that and the plus one to movement which I touched on earlier was a huge plus to the faction because everything's moving at six well now it's moving at seven you know and the card would stay on the unit for the turn if I remember right um this is still really good you destroy that but you don't always want to destroy the terrain though you know so that's a plus and a minus um, but the second ability on this card is amazing. Um, again, it touched on, they're, they're not a defensive faction. They rely on hitting and getting out of the way so they can't get hit back. Uh, that plus three to surge forth goes a long way to making sure that happens. Now, instead of being in a unit's flank or not quite being able to get out of that arc, the, you know, the charge arc, you'll be able to slide past them. You'll be in their rear. It's a really good defensive card. Um, but the first part, being able to ignore the terrain, is still a good thing. I just missed the plus one to movement that it originally had. Okay. <laughs> Favorite for the Y. All right. So we do have on the amazing Brett with us. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. I know Tuesdays are a bit harder for you. Oh, Wednesdays are hard, too. Um you guys are able to borrow me from Susie because, like, uh, you know, she's a, she's a woman after all, and she decided at <laughs> 9.30 at night that she had to have White Castle. So I'm, I'm on a little side quest. Taking so the long way. I figured I'd join The long guys. way around. <laughs> the long way to White Castle, yeah. <laughs> so uh, we were just talking about fire and, or, uh, Unstoppable Advance. So, uh, Craig, you were talking about how uh, – you know, sometimes you don't want to destroy the terrain. I think my one thing I don't like about this card is is the fact that destructible terrain is already something I don't like to see too much of because it's destructible. Because in a game where at most you're getting five pieces uh, if you're doing random, and if you're even if you're picking pieces, I just feel like this card. Uh, encourages you to not run destructible, which is already something in a lot of cases that you might not run. I mean, there's ups and downsides to what I had just said. I just, I don't know, the fact that this will let you just kind of run over some terrain and destroy it, I feel like kind of hurts wanting to run that, which is, can be a plus, you know, having stakes everywhere. You know, if you're able to pick your own pieces and your opponent picks two stakes, it, you know, it could help you with that. But I feel like it just discourages running pieces that are not often uh, used. I guess stakes are, but um, like hedges and uh, walls, I don't almost ever see anyone pick as, uh, like, if you're able to pick your own terrain. And then in randomized terrain, you're... I would say easily half or more is always the destructible and then they get destroyed and then they're gone. And then now your table looks a lot more barren. Well, I have a couple points to make about the card. Um, 
First of all, I, I believe now hedges in 1.6, yes, they're a little bit odd because a head is basically a, a hedge is basically just a destroyable uh, bog. So in a lot of cases, if you wanted to put a hedge, you would just place a bog. Now, they're a little bit different in 2021, which is what this card is for, but we won't get into that. The, the other aspect is um, I think low walls are phenomenal. Uh, stakes are also great, but I place low walls all the time. I think um, – it's, and it's not just me. I, I think people do use them. Uh, it's, I mean, weirwood trees and corpse piles are generally the two that are favored, but definitely wall, low walls can be amazing. But the other thing is, as the, as the uh, Targaryen player, you don't actually have to destroy the terrain pieces that you move through. So it's a may, so you can choose to just ignore the dangerous. Like if you want to do something and, and move to the other side of a stake and still have it to protect you, you don't have to destroy it. So there, there is that as well. Oh yeah, definitely. I, uh, I was more so thinking as uh, from the um, perspective of the opponent. So like if I'm facing Targaryens, I'm already in a lot of cases. Like I mean, like you said, there's definitely uh, uh, a lot of merit to some of the pieces, like uh, a palisade for narrowing the field, uh, stakes for you know preventing. Uh, you know, certain things from trying to just get up to an objective and take it immediately, or uh, or especially now with the new version of the walls, uh, the low walls um, are also awesome. But I feel like on the grand scheme, they still kind of fall towards the bottom of what you would choose, uh, or at least the middle. And now if I'm facing Targaryens, knowing that they have this card, I almost am going to be discouraged from running any of that terrain uh, just because I don't want something that, let's say if we're picking terrain, I don't want something that is almost like an extension of my army uh, being able to be tossed aside by them just kind of running over it and then or playing this card and then running over it. Uh, I want it to have more impact, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. totally get where you're going. But overall, I still think it's a great card. Uh, I'm just, I guess, weary about that little aspect of it. So, I mean, time will tell. It may not ever really come up that way, uh, and it may just be me overthinking. But overall, I do like this card. Um, I definitely like it better than, uh, I like the direction it's going better than what it was before. Uh, Next up, we have Blood of the Dragon. Start of any turn, target one friendly combat unit, attach this card to them until the end of the game. When a friendly unit is destroyed, place one order token on this card. When this card has a token, the attached unit's melee attacks gain plus one attack die, and this unit suffers minus one wound from failing panic tests. So as we've seen with pretty much every faction that has a version of this, it's basically turning the cards that when a unit dies, uh, you get some effect to now start of any turn, and then they wait for that unit to die to get, you know, to start getting their effects. Essentially just allowing you to get the card out of your hand and not have to hold on to it or be a dead card that you just discard. Amazing, uh, you know, way to go around that. I, I applaud uh, Simon because that's a brilliant idea. And, 
Uh, as far as the effect of it, plus one attack die and minus one wound, wound from failing panic test, I think it's good. I think it's strong. I don't think it's something like ridiculously amazing, but the fact that they only need one unit to die uh, to trigger both effects, even if both effects are kind of like, you know, they're just good. They're, I would say they're not like overpowered, uh, way too good or not, uh, or not worth it. I think it's a good solid card. What do you guys think? We'll start with you, Brett. Uh, by way of some of the on death cards, I think it's, I think it's right in line with them. I think depending on what unit this goes on, it could get pretty incredible. Um, as I'm looking, let me let me make sure that I'm not speaking out of turn because I haven't really looked too terribly much at the Targaryen card since Vision, but um, plus one attack that, yeah. So on the Dothraki veterans, it's increasing their ranged attack and their melee attack. So, uh, you know, depending on what unit it goes on, of course, it could be pretty potent uh, when you consider the way that, that... Is it melee only? Um, yeah. Okay, well, never mind then. Okay, yeah, so it's it's good. Um, we've seen, from what we've seen in 2021, there aren't a terrible amount of things that add just extra attack dice. Um, I think they've pretty well gone away from that. So this adding an attack dice is pretty solid. Um, and then the, the, the panic test, if you're running Dothraki, it won't be... Uh, it won't be huge because they're basically a five-up morale all the way across. So I guess it's good. Um, it's right in line with everybody else's, I think. Um, the direct effect from now his watch is ended is pretty powerful. It's a free attack action, march, or maneuver, but then it's gone. So obviously watches ended is, is potentially the most potent uh, right off the bat, but some of the other ones, uh, I think Lannister pays his death is plus one to hit, and if you own the crown, the attacks gain vicious or something like this. Um, I can't remember what the Baratheon <coughs> one is exactly, but I guess basically, long story short, it's it's right in line with everybody else's. Adding attack dice seems to be pretty rare in the 2021 update, so that alone adds a little bit of stock to it. And then um, the minus one for, for failing morale is always going to be welcome. We've discussed it with Iron Resolve, where you get a plus one and a minus one. D3 minus one uh, is always going to be beneficial because a lot of times it can just completely negate the panic test unless they have some ability or effect that adds additional wounds. Well, yeah, especially because uh, uh, we'll talk about him in full, but Cal Drogo has Iron Resolve. And uh, and if you put them on the vets, you're looking at with that card active, you're looking at a four up morale with minus two to panic, failed panic tests, meaning you have a 66% chance that even if you fail that four up morale, that you won't take any damage. Um, you'll still trigger when you failed panic test uh, effects, but. Uh, actually taking damage from it, you're going to be able to turn, if you have Drogo in some vets, you're going to be able to make them fairly tanky because as I've mentioned plenty of times on here before, that uh, having an amazing morale uh, stat is just, uh, 
you know, arguably just as important as the defensive stat to helping uh, keep your guys alive. You could have, you know, a six-up defensive save, um, and, you know, if you're never failing panic tests, you're going to stay on the table a lot longer than people expect you to. But, uh, Craig, what do you think about about this card, the Blood of the Dragon? Uh, You guys have pretty much touched on everything I would have said. Um, it it adds uh, offensive and defensive capabilities to a unit, and you can't beat that. So, yeah, I think uh, I like it a lot. Um, I'm a little jealous as a Stark player. I like this one, but you know the Stark one isn't bad. It's like it's just it's in same ballpark I think uh, as the Stark one. The, uh, the Stark ones, I guess, more flavor, flavorful to the Starks, and this one's more flavorful to the Targaryens. Just a little, uh, a little jealous, I guess. <laughs> I would have loved to <laughs> see this this on the Stark Stark uh, cards. But uh, last up, we'll talk about field control. This card, if you guys have not already seen it or heard, you know, a bunch of other podcasts or you know, content creators talk about it, probably one of the biggest you know, crazy cards out there that we've seen revealed out of any of the tactics cards. This card is uh, something crazy. So when an NCU claims a manu- the maneuver zone, the NCU, if the NCU was a friendly one, you may replace that zone's effect with one friendly combat unit performs one maneuver or retreat action with a plus one, uh, and any enemy it disengaged from is now weakened. So... Before we get to the next part, which is the big part, uh, this is, in its own right, is still really good. Um, you know, you don't want to be in combat. <clears throat> so, uh, in combination with Sudden Retreat giving you a free retreat after being attacked, you already want the Maneuver Zone for a bunch of your effects, which is the only zone that uh, that we see that Targaryens care about. Uh, taking this, and if you have a six maneuver, um, you're looking at a retreat of seven plus a D6 and weakening who you disengage from. Not often are you going to actually, and you know, there's always going to be the situation, but not often do I think you're going to take the maneuver zone and replace it with a maneuver at plus one. You know, you're better off saving this card than doing that, but retreating and placing a weakened at plus one, I think is huge. But the next part is, if the NCU was an enemy that claimed the maneuver zone, you may force the opponent to replace that zone's effect with. One friendly combat unit becomes weakened, they may shift three inches. Uh, and then important things to note is that if you replace the zone, like let's say your opponent has, uh, uh, what's the card called, assault orders, if you claim the... Uh, maneuver zone and replace it with assault orders, you then replace it with field control, assault orders will then disappear. It'll be null and void because they've replaced it with a free, uh, is an attack, and now you've replaced it with a free shift, and um, you get to weaken someone. Uh, This card is, in my opinion, probably in need of an FAQ. Uh, I think the card is amazing, uh, like the idea behind it. My only complaint is that the timing allows for cards and effects to just 
dissolve, as I just mentioned with like assault orders. Uh, we'll start with you, Craig. What do you think about this card? Um, I like it, and this is an amazing card. Uh, to touch on what you mentioned about you're not going to take the horse and burn the card through a plus one to maneuver, uh, there are times when you would want to, for example, if you have uh, quick fire, I believe it's called, if you're just a uh, half inch out of range or whatever after your shift, you know, doing your pre-measuring, then you might want to play that to get that free attack out there or to slide out of an enemy's charge uh, arc, their front arc. Um, and even then, just handing out a weaken token at the right time is, is enough to do it. But, uh, yeah, like you said, the second half of that is worth keeping the card in hand for and is amazing. Um, I really like that they put something in there with the plus one movement, you know, as I've been harping on a couple of times now. Um, it feels really flavorful for the faction, and it really helps the faction with the, the, the retreat and, and the different options on the card. I like how cards now in general are getting more options. Um, they're more universal. And this one is a perfect example of that. What do you think, Brett? Oh, Brett uh, had to go. I believe White Castle was calling. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, I think I think this car is. The idea behind it is amazing. Um, the fact that Targaryens only need one zone, which is the maneuver, and they have a card that directly punishes the opponent for taking it from them is huge. I mean, it's built right in. I mean, we haven't even gotten into any commander uh, taxes cards. It's built right into the deck that they have three cards that all get pretty decent buffs. Um, significant enough buffs from having a maneuver zone that they're going to want to take it. Uh, not only that, it helps their play style by taking it, getting that free maneuver, or, or the more bigger one, in my opinion, uh, the, the retreat action to get out of, you know, prolonged engagements. You know, field control, you know, that's huge. The fact that you're going to throw a weaken on an enemy, and then now they can just shift three inches is uh, because... You know, you might think, oh, well, Swift Reposition allows you to, you know, shift two inches. The difference being is Swift Reposition is start of any turn. This is your uh, field control. When you claim that zone, that's your action. That's that's your activation. After you get that three-inch shift, it's now your opponent's turn to do something to you. And now you're weakened. And they have... And more more often than not, they're gonna, uh, the Targaryen player is going to have more maneuverability than you will, uh, especially if they're running Dothraki-themed uh, lists. Uh, so, yeah, I would say this is uh, easily the strongest card, in my opinion, of everything we've seen of any faction uh, until they possibly change the timing on it, which I hope they do. I don't like uh, that you can play a card and, you know, field control is almost like an auto counterplot, <laughs> you know, if they claim the maneuver zone. Uh, you could pl you could avoid it in the sense that you just never claim the maneuver zone ever <laughs> against Dothraki <laughs> so that they have to play it as their own effect when their NCU claims it. But 
I don't know. Uh, hopefully they, they make that one small change, and this card will be amazing uh, addition. I would love to see more cards like it created. Uh, when like when your opponent claims effect, I know that uh, Greyjoys kind of have that. It's not when you claim it, but <clears throat> excuse me, but when having certain zones will give extra benefits to the Greyjoys, and I just I like that aspect of the cards. So we'll see where uh, field control kind of goes from from what we see here to what they release. Uh, Next up, we'll talk about Ride by Attack. This is the first of four Dithrac or uh, Khal Drogo's uh, named cards. Um, important to note if you guys haven't already uh, seen or heard, but each uh, Targaryen commander will have four tactics cards, one of which uh, will replace one of the seven original cards from the deck. Um, and important to note, I've known a lot of people comment on it. So neutrals and Targaryens are supposed to be commander-focused, and I like the fact that uh, they do it in a different way. The neutral deck does it in the way of, uh, you know, their cards give extra benefits to the commander. So, like, the basic deck is driven around extra effects to the commander, whereas in Targaryens, their way of doing it is by giving them a fourth card. Uh, some could argue that it would be make more sense to flip-flop those, give the four cards to neutrals, and then make the base deck um, uh, of Targaryens more commander-focused, but uh, that's you know kind of a discussion for another time. I think the main point, though, is I do like the fact that they were able to figure out two different ways to be commander-focused while not feeling like they copy-pasted the idea between the two factions. Um, so for Ride by Attack, it is when a friendly cavalry unit selects an, its action during its activation before resolving that action as its action, that unit may pivot then perform one march action, even if engaged, it may move through enemies during this march. Enemies it disengages from may not pivot. After completing this march, one enemy moved through suffers one wound plus one wound for each of the enemy's remaining ranks. Oh, man. Amazing card. This card was just kind of okay before, especially with the way the wording was. They, I mean, there's a lot of text here. But this card is amazing. I, I like it a lot. What do you think, Craig? Uh, first off, you mentioned the text. I like how it's all spelled out. So there's no confusion. You're not going to need to FAQ it. You're not going to argue for an hour with your buddy about how it's supposed to work. That's great. Uh, next thing is you can begin engaged and do it. That's huge. Uh, I, last activation of the round... I charge you. You're between me and where I want to go. First activation, next round, I'm behind you now. And take three wounds for your trouble. Um, if it's cavalry, if it's infantry, you're taking four wounds. I like that it's auto wounds, too, instead of hits. Uh, one thing I don't like is I will miss the attack that the other one gave you um, because, you know, that, that has potential for more wounds. You have the panic test, and you have the however many dice you throw. But three auto wounds is nothing, nothing to sneeze at. And uh, like I said, being engaged, when you do it, that's huge. It, it That gives it more utility than it had before. 
Yeah, and <clears throat> I I like the fact that you know it does with the way it's worded, it's not going to like snipe solos uh, unless you know those solos only have two wounds. But I don't know if any solo that's been revealed yet has less than three. Um, so that's nice that you're not going to be able to just snipe a solo by ride do by ride by attack. Uh, I think, as you mentioned, the key part of this card, in my opinion, is the fact that you're going to be able to march behind someone, face their rear, and they can't pivot. Even if they charge you, they could charge you, um, and then you can immediately play this and ride by attack, doing four wounds if it's infantry, that's a whole rank, and now face their rear. And... You know, it's it's pretty big. Or as we were mentioning before, you can, uh, let's say, put, uh, I guess you don't even need to put a, any attachment in there. Let's just say even the new uh, Flademen that they revealed with all the Boltons. I believe, uh, yeah, there's no stipulation that this has to, it's just a cavalry unit. You can... Uh, swift re- you can take the free maneuver five inches, swift reposition three more inches, that's eight inches. You can then go another five inches with their free maneuver and then ride by attack ten inches past your opponent, skimming off four wounds and now being in their rear. <laughs> this card is going to be amazing. You're going to want to... Uh, you know, really be careful with this card if you're facing Keldrogo. This card, I think, could be a game changer because being in someone's backfield, in their rear, especially when they're not going to be able to pivot off of the disengagement or whatever the case may be, you know, that can completely uh, ruin your formation. You're going to have to have people turn around. You're not going to be able to just let him, char- like the unit, charge your rear. You're going to more often than not, just explode. Uh, so, yeah. Well, so, what do you think? That, so, sorry to cut in, but on top of that, you have field control. So, they go to take the horse to turn around and face you, and actually, you're just going to shift three inches, and now you're weakened. So, congratulations. Do you have fun? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because sure that shift. There. Yeah, because that shift means they can't even look at you. You're shifting, yeah, exactly. you know, forward or backward <laughs> or side to side, like uh, right and by there's attack. no switch advance to help. Yep. No switch advance um, anymore either, so. There's very little that's going to be able to um, help you with this. And I think as a Targaryen player, you're going to want to, before you ride by attack, you're going to want to take that maneuver zone if you don't have field control, just so that they can't free turn around. Um, And then now they have no great answer for it uh, without just spending their, you know, it's one of the worst feelings to have to just use your unit's activation to just face the proper way. Uh, And more often than not, the more you play and more experience you get, you can minimize the chances that that ever happens, but you're never going to be able to prevent it from ever happening. And ride by attack, I think, is like one of the perfect examples that it's not something uh, – it's hard to say because it's not really something you can even plan for because 
unless you have like counterplot or something like in a lot of cases it's going to happen um <clears throat> so i would say uh amazing card definitely something you're going to have to watch out for uh next up we have assault orders uh when a friendly uh this is the one that it, not not that it technically matters they mentioned uh i believe uh michael and fabio mentioned in the on the table gaming podcast that the card that replaces another card they just chose pretty much in most cases the card that had the most available text space to fit the text that before the game uh remove the uh whatever card uh, in this case, it's before the game begins, remove the Sudden Retreat Tactics card from your Tactics deck and replace it with this card. So essentially, it could be any four of his cards that's quote-unquote technically the card that's replaced, but the one that you, the important piece of information is that you will be losing the Sudden Retreat, which I think of the seven cards, that's the one that does make the most sense for Drogo to lose, even though it is such a powerful card. Uh, sudden retreat, you know, getting that free retreat action, as we've mentioned, that, you know, you don't want to be stuck in combat. But as we're going to see with the rest of his cards, all four of his cards are awesome. So, uh, but anyways, he has assault orders, which is when a friendly NCU claims a zone, replace that zone's effect with one friendly combat unit performs one attack action. If this targets called, called Drago's unit, it may perform one charge action instead. So, very powerful. Um, what do you think about it, Craig? Yeah, I agree. Um, it's incredibly good. The, the free attack, you know, you can never go wrong with free attack. Um, it can't really be blocked. I mean, there's there's some effects that can block it, but you understand what I'm saying. I mean, if you need a free attack and the opponent's like, well, I'm just going to take swords, you can't get that free attack. And yeah, I can. You can't stop me. So I think that's huge. Yep. Um, with the Dothraki, they're, they're a hit-and-run force, in my opinion, you know, in the books and all that. And then you take away uh, Sudden Retreat. I wish they'd picked a different card um, for flavor and everything else, but I get it. Yeah, I mean... It's, it's a good trade. It It is kind of like one of those uh, bitter sweet you know it makes sense because it's drogo it doesn't make sense because it's dothraki uh get rid of sudden retreat um but you know all seven of their cards are amazing so <laughs> i feel like you know no matter which one they took away it would have been like oh really man that sucks <laughs> uh i think it's argu- arguable that uh D- targaryens have the most solid tactics deck um, you know, I wouldn't say arguably the all the strongest cards ever, but if you were to rate like the entirety of the deck, like and then average all the scores, I think Targaryens might take the take the cake depending on you know uh, who you ask. But I think the other big thing is uh, if we look at the Starks who have assault orders as the, in their main deck in their base uh, seven cards, they have to, in order to get that free charge, they have to claim the free attack, which is good and bad. Um, it's good because you prevent, you know, if you get that charge in, you prevent your opponent from taking the sword to then swing back at you for free. Uh, you get a charge off of it. 
the bad part is that if your opponent already has the sword or something, you can't get that charge. The nice thing, uh, so it's like a lateral change, but the nice thing about the Assault Order for Call Drogo is that if it's his unit char- or targeted, he gets the free charge. So it's something you can almost actively plan for, because uh, as long as it's Call Drogo's unit, if he's not engaged, you can get that free charge in there. Uh, you don't have to worry about the tactics board, but then again, it's only one of your units that you can get that free charge on. So it's it's like a lateral change. There's pros and cons to both. Uh, so it's more of a sure thing with called Drogo if you plan it right. Then again, it's less flexible. How do you kind of feel about that part of it? Yeah, I think you're right. Um, with it being Cal Drogo's only, you kind of, you know, you kind of tell, you give it away. You give your play away a little bit more. You're probably going to have Drogo in one of your best units anyway, and you want him to be the guy charging. So I think it's fine, and it leaves the swords open. You know, if you want to, if you want to double tap, if your opponent lets you. So I, I'd like you, it. Uh... I think it's better than the Stark one. Yeah, well, especially if you already, let's say you went first that round, you already had a unit engaged, and you take the free attack, attack them, then now you can take, uh, you know, something else. You know, if they take the bag to heal up from that free attack, you then take, uh, you know, let's say you even have field control in your hand. Now you take the letters uh, and replace it with a free charge for Keldrogo. Then they go, okay, well, now I either take the crown uh, that might not be useful for my faction to try to zap, uh, you know, what we'll see in a minute here is amazing morale across the board for the Dothraki, or you take the you risk taking the maneuver zone if they have field control. Uh, so it's it's definitely something you can kind of play around. Um, next up, we have lead by example. After Cal Drogo's unit completes an attack. Attach this card to one other friendly unit in long range until the end of the round. While attached, this unit gains plus two to panic test rolls, and its melee attacks gain plus one to hit. Or, it has the effect of start of a friendly turn, you can draw one card. Uh, The reason for that being, as we've seen, uh, I believe, with other stuff, is that if Kaldrogo's unit is dead, you at least have another option to draw another card and get rid of this card. Because if Call Drogo is dead, then this uh, card has no, the first effect won't uh, trigger. Um, so another game mechanic that I think is amazing that they added in there. Uh, it will be interesting to see if Eddard has uh, the same card, because I believe he has lead by example in his 1.6 version. Um, but uh, overall, I think uh, this is a great card. Plus two to the panic test rolls and plus one to hit. Um, is huge for, you know, the fact that, uh, um, you know, we see so much Agile and Disrupt and Counter-Strike and all this stuff all over the place and a lot of things going to hit on four. That plus one to hit is huge, even if it is only for the round. Um, I think uh, plus one to hit is always welcome. What do you think? I think it is a huge upgrade over the original lead by example that Eddard currently has. Uh, Eddard's version is when he activates, he gains plus two attack dice. After his activation, another unit may immediately activate and gain plus two attack dice. 
which was really strong, but at the same time, you're burning through two activations in one. Uh, with this card, Drogo doesn't even have to activate. So you could take the swords, or you could use assault orders, and essentially you might be burning zero activations to get plus yep. one to hit on another unit. So although the plus two dice was nice, um, you know, the plus two to panic test rolls is a defensive buff, and the plus one to hit, it, it can be argued whether it's as good as an extra two dice or not, but you don't burn through activations with it, and that's huge to me, especially now that we're seeing the activations are going to be toned back. So I, I yep. think this is a huge upgrade to Eddard's card, and I hope Eddard's reads the same way. Yeah, exactly. Uh, lead by example with Eddard currently is something that you really had to like make sure it counted. Like you were saying, activations were big, and to burn through two of them uh, right away uh, could be huge for the rest of the round, for the rest of that uh, that round that you're in. If you lose out an activation, it could mean the back end of that round you could lose uh, not have the the activations to outweigh something. So you really had to make it count. Um, whereas this one is just, you know, offense, defense, um, you know, that plus two, the panic test rolls uh, on what I believe uh, everyone that we're going to be going over has a five or a four. So now you're going down to three or a two on all these units um, with plus one to hit. <clears throat> and I believe they all hit on threes. So you're going to be hitting on twos for the round. It's, I mean, it's great. It's a great card with a backup discard if Drogo is dead. Or discard and draw another one. Um, last up, we have Adravant. Uh, I believe that's how you say it. Uh, when called Drogo's unit activates, uh, so this one also has an added effect at the start of the turn. You can draw one Texas card because if Drogo dies, you won't be able to use this card otherwise. So, um, but its uh, main effect is when Call Drogo's unit activates, target one enemy in long range and attach this card to them until the end of the round. While attached, melee attacks on this enemy gain critical blow. When that enemy is destroyed, gain one victory point. If this card is removed and that enemy has not been destroyed, your opponent gains one victory point. And I believe I remember them saying something along the lines of... Uh, that every commander is going to have this uh, risk-reward extra VP card in some form, uh, which will be very interesting to see. Um, this one, uh, I feel like on at face value is, you know, obviously like risk-reward, but if the unit is like almost dead, is it really that much of a risk? It, like in some cases, like, you know, they're down to, like, two wounds, and you're about to attack them. Like, you activate Drogo's unit, and you're like, okay, this is overkill, and you just get a free victory point in a game where you only need ten. You have two of this card. Granted, the the fa uh, the chances that you're going to get two, both of these cards off in a game is fairly slim, uh, but to at least get one of them, I think, is highly likely. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this card. What about you, Craig? Um, it, this card's all about timing. If you draw it at the beginning of the game, you're probably just going to want to toss it, you know, with the five-card limit and all that. 
But if you draw it mid-game, late-game, or you're able to hold on to it for the right moment, it can be huge. Um, so the, the trigger is when his unit activates, right? Well, you mentioned if you put it on a unit, it's only got a couple of wounds left, then you go to attack. But if you go to ride by attack, that's after it selects its action. So you could play both in one turn and not even have to do the attack, and you're guaranteed your wounds. So it all depends on, on the situation, but it's possible to have absolutely zero risk because you might not even have to roll dice. Um, again, you need the right combo for that, but the the risk can really be mitigated. And if you feel like the risk is too high, just toss the card and grab another one. But late game, you got them on the ropes, or they've got you on the ropes, you're down VPs, you need an extra VP, and they got a unit with a couple wounds left, it can be a game winner. So I'm yep. glad that they have the option in there. Yeah, I feel like uh, in most cases, I don't know. It's hard to say. I think you're – I really don't know how to describe it. It's one of those things that there's too many chances where it's going to be a sure thing. It's going to make the card kind of frustrating. Uh-huh. Uh but then again, um, I don't know. There, it, it also could be a dead card, uh, like you were saying. You know, you're not going to want to hold on to this first turn because you could give your if you play it too early, you give your opponent a victory point. So you're going to see a lot of people ditch it early and even mid game, um, and only go for the sure thing unless they're down on victory points and they really need a, a surge in victory points. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think maybe if the VP uh, limit wasn't at 10 and was a little higher, it would be a little different. But uh, for me, every victory point counts. Uh, and I've also been, you know, more of a cautious player, you know, more of the sure thing. Now, if I'm playing a friendly game, I, I'm sure Justin and a lot of people could attest to how many times I've just YOLO'd a, a, a 6 uh uh, you know, a 12-inch or 11-inch charge <laughs> and gotten it. But in, like, tournaments, I'm very precise and calculative, and I try not to take risks unless uh, I'm, you know, so far down on points that I know I don't have any other choice to do. But uh, I don't know. Time will tell how these cards kind of play out. I don't think it's a horrible thing, but I think uh, it's one of those that we'll kind of have to wait and see. Well, to, to build on what you just said, too, about being cautious and, you know, every victory point counts and it does, but at the same time, you as a Stark player and myself as a Stark player and just about every other competitive Stark player out there already takes this risk every game when we put Rick on on the table. Yeah, but it's I don't not much Rick on, so I don't count. <laughs> <laughs> but you get what I'm saying, though. We already take that yeah, I gotcha. in different ways. And with Rickon, there's so many ways that that could go wrong. Where this, you can't throw Rickon away, but you can throw this card away. You know, well, I so, think that's my that's my big thing though is that uh, I'm I guess I'm looking at more at this card as the opponent than I am as the Targaryen player, because as the Targaryen player, like you said, I'll just get rid of this card. I'll play for me if I'm playing Targaryens, I'm playing this card if it's a sure thing, and you know. I'm only playing this card if, if to put it in like percentages uh, 
terms, if I'm like 75% or more sure that I'm going to get this extra victory point. Uh, I'm, I am not playing this card uh, competitively if it's 50-50. Um, or even like 60% or something like, so, and I'll just get rid of it. Meaning that if I'm the opponent, this card is just a cycle card, which is not a big deal in a deck that has so many great cards. Uh, or it's getting them at least one, if not two victory points. I know that two is a stretch. I, I don't think that in most cases they're going to get both these cards and trigger both of them. But Still, knowing that my opponent is only needing nine victory points because they have a card, you know, that they have a decent shot of triggering at some point in the game is, I guess, a little worrisome. Um, but like I said, it's one of those things we'll kind of see how it plays out. I don't think it's all doom and gloom or the end of the world. It's just, uh, the, you know, the precautious side of me kind of peeking through a little bit. Um Next up, uh, so we're done with all the tactics cards, finally. We are now on to Khal Drogo's commander attachment, field attachment. He has Iron Resolve, as we mentioned before. This unit gets plus one to panic test rolls and minus one wound from failing panic tests. Amazing ability for, for a commander to put in any unit you want to make them more defensive and survivable. Uh, and then he also has Expert Duelist. Each time this unit is performing a melee attack before rolling attack die, choose one. This attack deals plus one or target one infantry attachment in the defender's unit and roll a die. On a three-up, destroy that attachment. Now, <sighs> Craig, I guess I'll let you go first on this one because i got a lot to say about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I, I like it. Um, before, I think he handed out a vulnerable token, which was also really nice. He loses that. Um, Iron Resolve is great, especially when you stack it with cards that uh, have the same effect, all of a sudden you're taking no wounds on a failed panic test unless you're playing Lannisters. But uh, Expert Duelist, uh, that it's good. But as as the person facing it, man, I would hate hate to run into it. You know, you've invested points in attachments. You've maybe built your list around certain attachments. And he's like, yeah, a 3-plus, that doesn't exist anymore. So... If I'm running the Targaryens, I think that that is amazing. If I'm playing against them, it's kind of one of those things that kills the fun a little bit. So it's, a, it's yeah. another double-edged sword. Yeah, I my big problem with it is, you know, because some people have made the argument, well, you know, expert duelist is not a new thing. Like We have units that have it, and it's never been a problem. I think the big part of that, though, is that, you don't see a lot of attachments, especially in competitive play. You only see them here and there. Uh, you see a lot of NCU commanders. Uh, and so Expert Duelist was just kind of a, a nice little thing to have, but not many people ever ran it because they didn't really get their benefit from it. Now, though, they're super encouraging attachments. Attachments are super cheap and cost-effective. They're, you know, right, in my opinion, where they should be. I think, uh, you know, that's a good, healthy thing. But now that all commanders are field commanders, now that pretty much every mission gives a bonus to having a field commander on an objective or so on and so forth, having expert duelist out there, like you said, it's going to 
kill the fun. It's going to make people that face it, you know, really not like playing the game. Uh, and I can attest to this, uh, playing against expert duelists, you know, especially let's, this is, I guess, the biggest, going to probably be the biggest defender is called Drogo. He's super fast in a faction that's super fast. There's no way you're going to be able to hide your commander without kind of effectively taking him out of the game. And then Kal Drogo just wrecks everything else in your army while you are scared of losing your, you know, commander on a 66% chance roll uh, for each time they attack. So <clears throat> it's not even an order where if they fail the first time, they have to wait till next round. They just keep doing it every time they attack you. Uh, the chances go up exponentially if you attack twice, three times, four times. It almost makes it guaranteed that, you know, and the only way to get rid of him is to kill the unit because ex if you have your own expert duelist, it only targets infantry attachments. So you can't even kill Kal Drogo with your own expert duelist because he's a cavalry attachment. Uh, it's it's going to be frustrating. Um, I really hope they change it to be more of a duel style. I, it would be cool that if uh, if they changed it to something more along the lines of kind of how uh, uh, current um, uh, Jacken is, where it's on a scale, they could do like on a four plus kill an attachment, uh, uh, like a generic attachment, on a five up kill a unique uh, attachment, non-commander, and on a six kill a commander attachment. This way, you still have, you know, because the amount of times you're going to get to swing with this unit is going to be enough that you're going to be able to make use of this expert duelist. Uh, you know, you're, you kill one attachment with, you, with expert duelist, and in my opinion, you've made back the points for expert duelist. Uh, because in, in the case of Kal Drogo here, you see that he still has iron resolve. So uh, you kill one one attachment for one or two points. I mean, I think that's worth the ability, especially the fear of even if on a six you kill a commander, you know, even if it's only a six, that's still fear enough that you're not going to want to just willy-nilly run your commander into an expert duelist. I also think that maybe you could even make it be commanders on a five-up, but give, uh, like, I don't know, this is a lot to add, so I think making expert duelist a keyword, kind of like sundering or critical blow would be better. And then in the rule book, kind of giving the outline of it, I think commanders should have the option to uh, quote-unquote deny uh, or refuse the duel. And then instead, you take D3 auto wounds as if like your people are jumping in front of your commander to protect him. Uh, and you know the D3 represents how many of them had to jump in front in order to you know, withstand the blows that, uh, you know, the expert duelist is throwing at your commander. Um, and even put another clause in there that if an expert duelist is fighting an expert duelist, that you have to roll off. And whoever rolls higher, the other, or whoever rolls, rolls lowest dies. So that's another deterrent that you're not going to just throw your expert duelist at another expert duelist expecting to just whoever strikes first has, you know, that much better of a chance to win. Um, I think it'd be a really cool concept to have. 
I really like it. I just think this version of it is going to create a lot of people being mad at the fact that, you know, they're they're not going to want to run attachments when t- attachments are going to look so tempting. Um, so it's going to just create this bad play experience. Um, but I think, you know, the the thought of expert duelist and a little like like I was saying, just create your own like its own little section in the rulebook uh, would add so much to the game, and it'd be so cool to kind of see that in there. Um, but my rant's over. I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to add before we move on to the units. Uh, yeah, it's it's an attack ability, and with all the ways that Caldrogo gets free attacks, that makes it worse. Maybe if it were in order, it wouldn't be so bad because you can still fail the three up. But if you get two or three attacks around, you're not going to fail it eventually. Yeah, the amount of times I've seen, because counterplot is on a three up. The amount of times I've seen someone counterplot me uh, with the crown reroll and fail, uh, maybe five times, which sounds like a lot, but the amount of times I've faced counterplot, that's, that's almost nothing (laughs) and we're talking you know you know they could just then do it twice again next round you know if somehow they still fail after two attacks i mean failing a three up on three rolls you know let's say if they attack three times and like you said the number of ways he can attack you know the combat zone plus assault orders uh and plus their activation you know he's going to have plenty of chances to almost auto kill your attachment. And I think like, like just been mentioning, it's going to kind of be an unfun experience for the person on the receiving end of that. Uh, and it doesn't matter who or what faction, who you're playing, you know, I'm sure every faction will get their own version of expert duelist, which everyone should. I think that's a good thing. I think, but I, with that said, I think expert duelist needs to be, changed um so that it's not so uh i guess nearly automatic like a sure thing that's going to happen uh there should be ways around it but uh we'll see we'll see how that kind of goes um you know i have faith that simon will you know they'll even if expert duelist stays the same and comes out uh the way they've shown it i'm sure once simon gets enough data uh they'll evaluate and do uh do what they think is best uh and we'll have to see where it goes from there um next up uh we're going to go from the bottom up here uh so we're going to start with the dothraki hakars or harakars i believe is how you say it um they are the newest of the bunch the other three are all units you can find in the starter box uh this unit is limited to two in your army they are a five point investment they have a six-inch move, uh, six dice hitting on three-up for melee. They have a four-up defensive save and a four-up morale. Um, they have uh, six wounds to start with. At the start of their activation, it may perform one uh, free maneuver, so essentially the cavalry roll. Uh, they have claw and blade, which gives them vicious on their melee attacks, and they have outflank. You may hold this unit off the table in reserve instead of deploying deploying them when a friendly ncu claims the maneuver you may place that zone's effect with deploy one unit from reserve fully within short range of any flank table edge so that's a lot of um stuff 
I think uh, the only reason these guys are so cheap is because they have half the wounds a normal unit would have. Um, it's hard to say. I would almost even go on a limb to say these guys are worth six points. Um, but before I like jump way too far into like the potential of these guys, what do you think of them, Craig? Yeah, um, even though they only have six wounds, they're defensive. You know, they got four up morale, four up save, which is defensive for the Dothraki. Um, and we've seen ways in which they can take less wounds from uh, from failed panic tests. So those six wounds are going to be hard to remove. And at five points, you only need to get one or two big attacks in with them to change the game. Uh, they stack Vicious on top of it. They're amazing. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see what, what they come on, like their base size. Um, it shows that it's uh, the uh, monster um, uh, icon, so it could be a, um, whatchamacallit, a solo base. Uh, then again, I don't know if that symbol means they have to be solo. Uh, so anyone listening, uh, they might have already revealed it somewhere, but I think that might be key as well. Uh, they could be like a mammoth, a mammoth uh, size space, because the picture shows, uh, you know, a Dothraki on on his horse with, you know, with a whip and uh, a lion. So I don't know if they could fit all of that on a solo. I'm sure they could. Uh, then again, I don't know if the picture uh, there's only one of each. It could be like a unit, maybe like two horses and two lions or a horse and like a couple lions. We'll have to wait and see. But with that said, I guess the big part is the outflank ability. You know, having that vicious and outflanking to the rear of someone and then charging for a minus four to the panic and then minus two for the uh, armor save for the, the rear charge is pretty big. And as we've seen, Pretty much every five-point unit, if I recall, hits on fours. These guys are hitting on threes. Now, some might say, you know, six dice. In 1.6, that would be a, yeah, six dice. But in 1.7 or 2021, uh, whatever you want to refer to it as, you know, six dice is only one less die than pretty much every other unit. And they always have it. You've got to kill these guys to get rid of that six dice. Um, so I think these guys are probably going to hit way above their weight. Uh, they're really good. I'm almost saying they're they're probably going to be like a must-take as a one-of at least. I don't know if two, unless you plan to deploy one normally, uh, I don't know if I'd want to risk putting two in deployment for that outflank just because then you, you, know, you have to replace the maneuver, I believe, to twice in a row to get them both on in separate rounds. But um, I think at least one of these, an outflanking one, combined with, you know, Drogo and his ride-by attack, you're going to put a lot of pressure on your opponent's backfield. <clears throat> so what do you think? Do you think these guys uh, are worth um, five? you think they're maybe closer to six? Uh, I think with the six wounds, they're still in the five range, but an argument could be made for six. Um, I do agree with you, though. Yeah. I'm not sure I would ever take two of them. Yeah, and I'm sure when you buy them in a box, they'll probably, like you've seen with other stuff, you'll get two of them in one box or something. And, you know, it'll only be like a, a $35 investment, depending on where, you know, where you live. It, it yeah. might be, you know, it's 
35 for us. So definitely I would, uh, I'd run probably, you know, because five points allows you to save on a lot of other space in your, in your list uh, for points that, that's, I think, the kicker of why I say these guys are almost a must-have in every list. It's not because they're that amazingly good that they're going to just wreck everything, but they're so powerful for their points, and they're, you know, for only five points, it leaves a lot of extra play for, you know, fielding more things in your army. Um, but yeah, these guys are amazing, so I can't wait to kind of see the way, you know, how they play out. Uh, six wounds will make them sort of fragile, but it's enough that they're not going to just get hit once and then die from just anything. Uh, so yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, next up, we have the Dothraki Outriders. I think, in my opinion, the best change they've made of um, everything we've seen. Because before, with no melee attack, I believe, and you know, only uh, short range, it was uh, it was hard to justify them. They did have uh, shifting three inches, um, which made them a little tricky, or not tricky, like, but gave you a little play, you know, with like uh, palisades, you know, moving shifting three, shoot shift three back, but overall. It was hard to justify them in a lot of cases, I think. Um, they were still good, but I think this uh, version of them is amazing. They are six points still. They have a six-inch move, five defense, and five morale. They have a short uh, range attack hitting on threes, seven, five, and a uh, melee attack hitting on fours, five, four. Um, they have the cavalry, so they have three wounds for model, and they can perform a free maneuver action. Uh, and then their Outrider's bow has been changed that this unit has, if it has not performed the maneuver from the cavalry ability this turn, this attack becomes long range. Now one thing I want to point out really quickly is that <clears throat> if you take the free attack uh, from the combat, or from the tactics board, you get long range with this. Uh, if, you know, if you take, uh, let's see, it's assault orders, yeah, an attack action. So you can then assault orders, again, another zone, and a shoot long range with these guys. You don't lose that long range until they have used the maneuver from their free maneuver ability. You could even take the free maneuver from the maneuver zone. You can give these guys swift reposition. There's so much ways to play around with these guys now that, uh, you know, they essentially have long range no matter what because if they do get the free maneuver uh, from their cavalry ability, that's six inches, then they can shift two and shoot six. So they still have 14-inch threat range no matter what they do. Uh, with their ranged attack. Uh, You know, two-inch shift and then long range, or, you know, the free maneuver, shift two, and short range. How do you kind of feel about these guys, Craig? Uh, I think they're a must-take, and not like the Parakers where they're a must-take in a Dothraki army. I think these guys are a must-take in any Targaryen list, in that it's a tool-in-the-toolbox type thing. Um, you can use them as skirmishers to get in the flank, uh, short-range attacks. Uh, my favorite unit in the game is the Kranigman, and that's how I use them. I'm constantly picking at your flanks with them. 
Well, you can do the same thing with this unit, but you can also sit behind your unsullied pikeman and make it rain from 12 inches away, like you said, over and over again, and they're hitting on threes. Uh, what's not to like? Um, you have your melee attack now that you didn't have before. Your defense save went from a six to a five. Your morale went from a six to a five. Um, you're going to pass most morale tests. You're, if you ever get hit, you're going to take some wounds, but <laughs> they're going to have to invest a lot of resources into even getting to this unit to hit them to begin with. Uh, this unit's amazing. Yeah, uh, I agree that these guys are almost a must-take in no matter what form of Targaryens you play. I mean, these guys are so good now, especially if, let's say, let's say you don't run Drogo, let's say whatever other commander, so that way you can get access to the sudden retreat, um, as long as obviously the other commander doesn't also get rid of sudden retreat. You could almost run like an army of these guys. That's how good they are. Uh, they're like, you know, I would almost never advise uh, a full range list in most cases. I'm not saying that no other ranged unit can do it, because uh, there definitely that wouldn't be true. But I think these guys are the best. Like, if you were to if you were to ask me what uh, faction from what we've seen uh, now and current could do it, I would say these guys because they have the mobility, they have the free retreat, they want the maneuver zone to give them more free retreats, Uh, they have long range, they have so much mobility and flexibility that you could actually run uh, an army of these guys, I truly believe. Um, That 5-up, 5-up is actually pretty awesome. Your opponent is going to have to kill you through sheer number of dice because, uh, you know, unless they have Vicious, you're probably maybe going to fail one panic test in the whole game. That's been my experience on 5-up or better morale uh, with no modifiers. Uh, On average dice, obviously. So, yeah, I would say these guys are a, a must-take, like one of, um, in one of or more in most every list you can think of. Um, I mean, something might change that that we see, uh, you know, when they finally start releasing some more Targaryen stuff. But yeah, these guys are amazing. I would, I would say they are on the very, very strong end of six points. I wouldn't say these guys are necessarily seven points, but they're about as close as you can get to seven points without actually being seven points, if that makes sense. Um, so next up, we have the Dothraki Screamers. They have, uh, they are six points as well. They have a six move, a five up defense, five up morale. So all those the same as uh, the Outriders in that sense. Um, they don't have a range. They have the melee attack, though, which is, 7-5, hitting on threes. So essentially the same as the Outrider's bow, uh, but for melee form. Um, the Where they kind of shine, though, is now <clears throat> they have Furious Charge, which is enemies successfully charged by this unit become vulnerable, which I believe was an ability you could give them with the Co uh, in 1.6. But now that they just have it base, I think is amazing. 
I think these guys they did, these guys are a solid six. I wouldn't say they are low end, high end. I think these guys are a solid six points, um, and you're really gonna see your you know investments worth when they're charging. What do you think about them? Yeah, I think well the the current version. Um, I always struggled with them. It's part of the reasons I struggled with the faction originally is you're either paying 9 to 10 points for a unit or you're getting a unit that doesn't hit quite hard enough and then evaporates. Um, and that would have been the Screamers. Um, they didn't need much, I didn't feel like, and then and here they didn't do much, but I think it's enough. Uh, their morale went up again, which is good, and vulnerable. They already had enough attack dice, but if the enemy wasn't, they didn't have thundering, and they didn't hand out vulnerable tokens without spending more points in a faction that already struggled for activation, so you didn't want to spend more points on them. Um, now that they baked it into the unit itself, I think that's all they needed. I think it's a really good change, and I think they'll stay a solid six and now become a focal point of Galfraki list. Yeah, I... Uh... You know, we'll get on we'll get to the vets next here, but just from what we've seen, they have made the Dithraki uh version or just the theme of Dithraki so good with so many options. I mean, you have four Dithraki options with a good commander, a good tactics deck. Uh, as I mentioned at towards the beginning of the show, is that They've, in this one article, provided you with such a strong uh, like reveal that you can just play and do amazing with. They don't... I believe uh, it, Charles from Sunday Slaughter put it best. If you guys haven't watched uh, or heard uh, their stuff, definitely go check it out. They're amazing content. Um, he, he did it best, is that they could... You know, they can only go up from here. They... Uh, you know, they've revealed so many strong things that, you know, everything else from here on out could be subpar or, right, you know, kind of middle of the road, and this faction would be amazing. Um, you know, and it's so, you know, it's nice to kind of see, too, because I can't tell you how many times, you know, because I own three uh, Targaryen starters and, you know, uh, two of each Unsullied, and um, I was able to get my hands on one of the Mother of Dragons and uh, the Hero Box. I got everything, even though they're the least played for me. Every time I look at them, I just I want to play them so bad. But their current version is just kind of—it's not super appealing. This, this is something I can get behind, and I am super excited to play. These screamers, perfect. I think uh, I think they did a great job. I think they are the most solid uh, thing that we've seen. And what I mean by solid is that most things that we've kind of seen have been on the, the stronger end of their point cost. I think the Screamers are a perfect solid six um, points. Um, next up, though, we'll, uh, we'll end it off with the Thraki Veterans at eight points. They have a six move, a five-up defense, a five morale, so still the same as the other two uh, Thraki units. Um, they do have a ranged and melee attack. Their ranged attack is 7-5, short range, hitting on 3-up. And uh, their melee attack is also a 3-up, 7-5. So essentially, without talking about their special rules really quickly, they're like a combination of the Screamers and the Outriders in the sense that uh, 
<clears throat> they have the same dice values as them, you know, their their range version and then the melee the range version from Outriders and the melee version from the Screamers. Um but where they really, you know, earn their uh easy eight point uh price tag is they have swift retreat. After an enemy completes a melee attack on this unit, this unit performs one retreat action. Uh, and then they have the order quick fire. After this unit completes a maneuver or retreat action, this unit performs one range attack action. Then they have the cavalry rule, so the free maneuver. So essentially you can uh, free maneuver six inches, now charge six plus D6, charge in, attack, and then free retreat, which is D, D, uh, six plus D6. And then after completing that, you can then ranged attack as long as you're within short. The you know so the key thing is they don't have the long range option that the outriders do, uh, but still uh, the short range with that frame maneuver is huge. It still gives you so much ability, uh, so much uh, threat range. Um, so what do you think about these guys, uh, Craig? Uh, first off, I'm glad to see the point cost has come down. Um, Ten point. They were really good before, but ten points was hard to swallow. At eight points, I think they found the groove for them. Uh, the swift, swift retreat. Um, so that we already covered, you take it out of your deck with Dothraki or with uh, Drogo, but this gives it right back to you for this unit at least, and that's that's great. You know, this this faction needs it. Uh, quick fire is one of my favorite abilities in the game. I abuse the heck out of it with Kranigman. And to see it brought over to the Targaryens, I felt like it already should have had it to begin with. Um, whether it was the veterans or the outriders or whoever, it feels like a Targaryen ability. It's like something they would they would do. So I really like the direction they went with this unit. I think they're they're not overpowered. But they're really they're really good. But you pay a point cost, you know, you pay eight points for them. So I think they're worth it. And it's another change yeah. that I'm really happy to see. Um, for me, I'm a little worried about their potential for the amount of damage they can put in. Um, it's it's always kind of a scary thing when you can double tap the way that. Um, so, you know, Kranigman uh, trackers, uh, you know, their ability to double tap with, like, swift advance, uh, especially if you had a warden in them, was always super scary. The one downside or the one thing that made it sort of okay was the fact that hit on fours. Um, the Kranigman made it to where you had to make sure that what you're shooting was uh, – the warden uh, made it sure that what you're shooting wasn't activated – Year, and then the trackers were super flimsy, you know, uh, what, six up save, seven up morale. These guys, oh, yeah. I guess, worry me because <clears throat> they ha their melee and their ranged attack are hitting on threes. So you're looking at 14 dice uh, with seven of them getting rerolls. And then um, uh, – to bring up a guy that we've already talked about is Jorah Mormont has uh, the order scout opening, start a friendly turn, target one enemy in long range till the end of the turn. Friendly units attacking the enemy gain precision and may reroll any attack dice. So now you have 14 dice, all hitting on threes with rerolls, all with precision. 
uh, all happening uh, one after the other. And because of the way quickfire is worded, because it's after a maneuver or a retreat, you can either maneuver, shoot, charge, or you can maneuver, charge, retreat, shoot. So it gives you flexibility to possibly, you know, do it in either order. Uh, well, you, you, these your guys, opponent has to attack you first. Oh, yeah, sorry. Um, so, yeah, so if you want to do it uh, uh, in – if you want to do it one after the other, you would have to maneuver, shoot, uh, then charge in order to do both. But then after your opponent attacks you – you know, they're not going to be able to double attack you. I guess it's a big thing. And with your morale being a five up, with things getting reduced to four ups to hit with less dice, uh, these guys are going to stick around a lot longer than most people think, especially if you put Drogo in there, give them Iron Resolve. Uh, you're also going to really make sure that uh, you get the Adjuvant off if you're able to double tap something uh, to make sure they die that round. So I'm a little worried uh, about these guys. Um, I think their potential is... I, I think without Jorah, they're an amazingly strong eight-point unit. But because Jorah uh, giving them that ability, I think they're... I, I would almost say they're back to ten points with all these uh, abilities. Um in, com in combination with that. Now, granted, you know, Jorah himself is a three-point, but three points is actually amazing for an activation now. Uh, three points is, uh, like, unheard of for 2021 uh, previews. You know, three-point NCUs are gone. Uh, I believe, as we've seen with, uh, um, you know, the Dire Wolf is three points, um, but he kind of has to, uh, Grey Wind has to get like up and close and personal to get like his, his abilities off. Whereas Jorah, you know, he's a three point investment that, um, uh, whatchamacallit, he can do from long range. So we'll have to wait and see where it goes. As I've always said with, you know, on, on this show is I have faith in Simon. I think, uh, you know, they're really good about, uh, putting their, putting the stuff out there that they uh, that they've play tested a bunch um, and as Michael has said they'll never catch everything um, that's that's uh, you know so that's true in no matter what you play whether it be video games tabletop games card games the amount of play testing will never uh, be anything in comparison to how many people play the game and how many games they get in um, so they won't be able to catch everything. Um, and I think Simon has done a great job of putting stuff out there and then waiting the appropriate amount of time to get the feedback that they need to make proper adjustments. Because uh, knee-jerk reaction, like, changes is not a healthy thing. Uh, you'll see, <laughs> If that was the case, you'd be seeing changes left and right. And I don't even think, you know, even people like me who is constantly – you know, looking at the stuff in this game would keep... I do appreciate that Simon does kind of wait and, uh, you know, make sure when they do do the changes that they make it count. So we'll see uh, We'll see how the Dothraki veterans kind of shape out. I, I truly believe that some of the combo potential is what kind of makes them hit way, way above eight points. Um, but at face value... 
they do look to be just a, an extremely strong eight-point unit. Um, so is there anything else uh, you wanted to add, uh, Craig, before we uh, kind of do our closeout? Uh, no, I think we covered it. Awesome. So uh, before I forget, like I did with uh, our hitting uh, 700 likes, uh, we uh, drew a winner for that. I've already contacted him. Uh, he won a unit box. I don't have the name on hand, so I apologize. Um, but he knows who he is. <laughs> but uh, before I forget again, I did. Uh, I had my wife draw the seven winners for our uh, card pack uh uh, giveaway. So for those that maybe unfortunately did not see our giveaway, uh, I think there was like four, nearly 4,000 people saw saw the giveaway. So I'm hoping that most people were able to kind of get their um, submissions in. But uh, we, my wife picked. Uh, I actually went and written. Uh, everyone's name on a raffle ticket this time uh, instead of doing like some randomizer on online to do it. Uh, and then uh, if you guys didn't see it, it was all you had to do is like our Facebook page and then comment on the post that gave you one entry. And then if in the post you uh, showed proof of purchase, whether it be just a photo with a timestamp or like a receipt or something of any of the foil card packs that you bought from the, uh, Expo, uh, I believe they had in Asia, uh, you were able to get additional entries. You still could only win once total, but it just gave you a higher chance of winning. Um, but uh, yeah, so if you guys were in that, I will try not to butcher any of these names. I'm sure I will butcher maybe one or two. But uh, so first winner we have is Jesse Lin. Next is Benjin Ducker. Uh, and we also have Miguel Martinez, uh, Miguel Navarro Martinez. I'm not sure if there was another Miguel Martinez in there. Uh, Scott Smith, James Hazel, Cyrus Moore, and uh, Vladimir Albu. So congratulations to you guys. I will be contacting you. Uh, I will also probably create a post and tag you guys in it. Uh, and then... Um, figure out what card packs you want. I might, uh, to save on shipping, I might just contact your local game stores to kind of support them, and that way you can just kind of pick it up right from their game store uh, rather than have to wait for me to get it from my game store and then ship it to you, which might take longer than, you know, because I'm sure everyone is itching to get the card packs at this point and just start playing some 1.7 or 2021 uh, games. So, uh, but I will contact you guys. Congratulations again. Don't worry for everyone that uh, did not win for this one. As you, If you guys have been listening to us long, uh, we try to do tons of giveaways. I mean, we've probably given away hundreds and hundreds of uh, um, dollars of you know, prize support by now, whether it be through our channel or going to events and just giving out product. Uh, and we're always just trying to give back to the community, guys, because you know, we do this for, for you. Um, we want to give you guys something you can listen to weekly. Uh, we try to, you know, do a show every single week. Um, I think we've only ever missed one week, and we uh, doubled up, I believe, on the next week after that just to make up for it. 
So, uh, and if you guys want to help support us, just uh, word of mouth, share us out wherever you can. Uh, I know I'm a part of most every single Ice and Fire group there is, but if there is by chance one that I'm not a part of that you don't see my posts on, you know, maybe share some my content out to uh, out on there so that way you can, you know, those that might not have heard of us uh, can, uh, you know, jump in and be a part of all the fun. Uh, we are uh, coming to a close on all this amazing uh, reveals that CMON has been giving us. We do have a huge list of content that uh, we plan to cover still, but um, if there's anything you guys want to hear about, definitely uh, join our Discord. Uh, I will try to send another link on our Facebook page for that. Uh, and on our Discord, there is a section to uh, uh, suggest content that you would like to hear. I believe not this Sunday, but next Tuesday, we, not next Tuesday, sorry. So the next Tuesday show, which should be two weeks from now, we will be discussing Baratheons, which will close out our, um, you know, talking about each faction that they've revealed. Uh, I know Baratheons, I believe was the first one, but you know, there's, they've just revealed so much content. It's just been hard to keep up. And we tried to, uh, some of them we tried to uh, cover as they dropped. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, um, also those that can't call in, we do do our show live. So, um, if you guys ever want to call in and kind of give us your thoughts on it, just feel free to call in. There's a call in number uh, that should appear, uh, while you're listening, if you're listening to it live, uh, and we'll, I'll screen you, have you jump on and then you know, you can kind of give your two cents. And then those that can't really call in, uh, but also kind of want to uh, contribute in some way, uh, our Discord has a little chat that you can, uh, or a tab that you can chat on to kind of, you know, uh, give us some thoughts, uh, you know, in live time. So because we do this show live, it's all unedited. Everything uh, you hear is all, you know, natural reactions and, you know, kind of our take and, uh, so I hope you guys kind of like that. Thank you so much, Craig, for coming on. Uh, your insight was awesome. It, it was nice to kind of have someone who plays Targaryens on to kind of give their, their insight. Yeah, thanks for having me again, and I enjoy being on. Awesome. And uh, to everyone listening, this is Small Council Radio, and it is dismissed. <laughs>